A big thank you to our sponsor, iFixit, who fights for your right to repair and makes really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides. It's iFixit's 20th anniversary this year, and to celebrate, they're offering you $20 off of a purchase of $100 or more with the promo code MERCURY20 until the end of this January. Happy fixin'! Mercury, Mercury Stardust! She's a beacon of hope in the darkest night! Mercury, Mercury Stardust! She'll teach you how to make it all alright! Hey there, hi, my name is Mercury, and I'm the trans handy ma'am! My pronouns are she, her, and I teach compassionate DIY. We're here to help renters, LGBTQIA members, and anyone who's feeling left out in a DIY space. Hey guys, gals, and non-binary pals! Wow, look at us being ready for this wonderful episode. I am joined by my wonderful co-host, the amazing Maggie Conrad. Hey, everybody. Woo! Yeah, Maggie! Wow! <laughs> Maggie! Chuka, yeah! Maggie, there's someone who's really aggressively happy that you're here today. Um, <laughs> makes me so happy for you, Maggie. Thank uh, you. I appreciate the appreciation. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the appreciation. It's pretty great. Maggie, how you doing? I'm great. I'm feeling good. I'm loving the new year. I feel like we've got so many things going for us this year that are like just amazing, like new employees and you know just getting more comfortable in this space. Yeah, we, we, we are finding out every single day while we're in here at Stardust Studios how absolutely wonderful it is mm-hmm. and how, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm here most days. I got to tell you, it is like having a playland of all the things <laughs> we can do. But I just feel comfortable. It's easier to shoot videos. Yeah. It's easier to to do lives. It's easier to do projects. It's Aww. easier to do meetings. It's just yeah. everything is easier now that we I'm have so a space. Glad. Doing this out of my studio, like doing this out of my two bedroom apartment yeah. on the west side of tropical Madison, Wisconsin, moving to a 3000 square foot space where yeah. we can actually do things and build things and do woodworking. And Oh my God. And have a podcast studio. <laughs> oh my God. And having a podcast studio when you and I can just walk in and do it. Yeah. What a, what a game changer. Yeah. Well, we had a, also a big week because last week we did the wonderful YouTube series that we will be yep. coming out called Ask Mercury. Basically, Ask Mercury is going to be a long form visual version mm-hmm. of this podcast. And it's it's basically me answering questions directly from you. And then Some, like actually doing the fixes. And actually showing you how to do it. Yeah. It'll be coming out sometime in February and we'll let you know more. But I'm very excited about that. I also want to let you know that um, this Saturday in Tropical Madison, Wisconsin, I'm hosting a drag show at the Majestic. Mm. Um, if you go to the Majestic website, you will see my face, you my face, <laughs> and also a bunch of people called Cat the Hurricane. It's an old trans non-binary band cool. here in Tropical Madison, Wisconsin. Me, and my best friend Amethyst von Trollenberg, are hosting the show together. And it's the last gig period that I have in the books that is mm. anything related to drag or burlesque at all. Sure. Um, and I'll probably do more hosting here and there. But, you know, my G-string is firmly hung up <laughs> as far as performing goes. But this was a wonderful thing. They, the night that I, reti- I announced my retirement back mm. in November, the night that I retired, Cat uh, from Cat and Hurricane was mm-hmm. right in the front row. And right when I said I was retiring, I could see Cat like put their hands in their in their head and I could tell they were like upset, and I was like, "Oh, oh why are they so upset?" 
And then after the show, uh, Kat comes up to me and says, um, so I didn't just come here because I wanted to see the show. Aww. And I said, oh, okay, well, what's up? And they're like, well, I came here to book you for our first big show of the year. And I wanted to tell you in person because I thought you would be excited. And now you're fucking retired. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, well, where is it at? And they're like, at Majestic, which is like 500 seat theater. Yeah. Uh, and I'm big. like, fucking shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing it. You know? Cool. Um, so very excited about that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's get to some cues, Maggie. Yeah. And it. I'll give you my A's. Yeah. That's a weird way to say that. <laughs> I like literally said that the other day online. <laughs> <laughs> We're cool. We're hip. Hi, Mercury. My name is Hannah. My pronouns are she, her. And I wanted to call because I trust you to know stuff about old houses. And I have an old house. My house is from 1907. And I've seen information both directions on this, and I'm just not sure who to trust since some of it is from people that would make money off of me doing work to my house. But anyways, our attic isn't really insulated. There's some insulation between, like, it is a walk-up attic, and there's insulation between, like, on the floor, but there's no insulation to the roof. And then when we got our roof redone recently, all over the place there's like little tips of nails that came through oh my god i hate it but i think that we could probably save some serious money on our heat bill if we actually installed insulation between the beams in the ceiling but there's supposedly something with old houses about needing to breathe or moisture or something and i have no idea what to actually do about it. Um, it is definitely super duper cold up there in the winter. And so I would love your feedback. Thank you so much. Bye. Okay. So this is a disclaimer that we should tell all of you. <laughs> I am for the first time for this podcast. I have done no prep. I've heard none of these questions before. And I'm going in cold turkey. Blind reaction. Yeah. Um, we don't we don't say blind react. We don't say blind react. We mm. say first take reaction. We try to be mindful of the people who are first blind. Take reaction. Yes. Uh, I learned that because of TikTok. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but all that being said, um, we are doing a first take reaction on this. I know nothing. Okay. Now, a few thoughts right off the bat. Okay. The whole adjective that you need to let housing breathe. Okay. <laughs> I've heard this many times. I have seen literal truth to it. Like, I don't okay. know if I've seen too much truth to it at all. Right? Um, I don't know if you've heard that before, Maggie. Not in regards to, like, the age of the house. No, I had an old house that was uh, built in 1963. Um, we had insulation on the roof. This means... <laughs> <laughs> this Drag means it out. Keep I talking. I need you to keep talking. Okay. So if you, hold on. We can cut this one out, Matthew. But when you see this, Maggie, okay. just keep talking. Okay. Do I need, need to do that now or is he going to cut this out? <laughs> I'm sorry. Maggie! This is new. You know I don't do well with I, this just like suddenly having to this, like this, do something that I wasn't expecting to do. In every language would be to stretch it out. 
I know, I know. Now we gotta keep it. Okay. I'm sorry, y'all. For those who uh, don't, for anybody who's not listening, I'm autistic, and putting me on the spot is not generally a good idea. No. We, yeah, we, you you prove this to be true every single week. Um, for those who don't know, I was putting my hands together, and then I was doing a stretch out motion with my hands because I was typing something into Google, and Maggie was just like looking at me, like, "What? What am I supposed to be doing?" <laughs> I okay. thought you were saying, like, I just uh, need more time. Be quiet. N- no, no, the opposite. Okay, Maggie, give me a good minute of just putting knowledge out in the world about old homes. I'm sure you're going to be fine. Okay, bye. Um, Putting knowledge out in the world about old homes. What do I know about my 1963 home? Well, first of all, if you've ever had, like, a pier and beam house, um, be prepared for that foundation to crumble and potentially have to replace it all. No, I'm not trying to scare anybody. Um, but yeah, having old houses is is crazy with the foundation specifically, especially pier and beam. If anybody doesn't know what that means, it's your house is like on these stilts kind of, uh, and it doesn't have like a concrete foundation. Um, and that was pretty typical in like some of the okay. older neighborhoods. Okay, so my suspicion is right. I'm I'm so happy I took the time to look this up just to make sure. Because what I'm about to say is going to be very controversial. And mm. I wanted to make sure I got, like, articles backing me up here. Mm-hmm. So here's the whole breathing. It's 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 a myth. It's this idea that was started by Alpha Landlords. Mm. I knew it. And again, another section of, of the podcast where I'm just like, fucking landlords. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. It started because landlords traditionally take these older homes mm. and they modify the homes. These big buildings are three to four stories. Um, our sound engineer, Matthew, knows exactly what I'm talking about. And they take them and they modify them to be buildings where they are like, you know, they got like four or five apartments in them. But this is before electrical stuff was common. Mm. Often these buildings are before some indoor plumbing. A lot of these buildings are before proper heating and et cetera. So they take these buildings, they retrofit them to be for people, and, blah, 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 and they claim things like you need to let the home breathe and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, and then your heating bill and everything is up through the roof. And, of course, yeah. you're the one paying heat and stuff. So here's the whole adjective. What can you do about this problem? Right. And then also, is it true? A, from what I can tell, I have not found a single article that really proves that. And also, mm-hmm. I don't even know what world that would make sense. Yeah. Logically, I, it doesn't. Make I don't sense. know what world, like, what, what do you mean for moisture and mold? Is that it? Is that the reasoning? Mm-hmm. And I might push back on that would be, yeah, if you properly seal everything off, you won't have moisture underneath the yeah. plaster and drywall, anyways. And also, like, I just got done on a live. I was talking about this on a live. Older homes, there's always this notion of trying to keep every piece of wood, trying to keep every piece of hardware, to try to make sure it's as historically accurate as possible. I'm telling you, treat your home like a home, not a museum. Yeah. Okay? I'm telling you right now, I know there's this need to want to restore everything up to what it was like, right? It's not a smart maneuver because if they could build homes like they do now, 150 years ago, they would have. Yeah. We know more now. We have we, better technology. Yeah, we have better technology now. Not saying that we always do things better. There are a lot of things we don't do better, right? Yeah. Um, but there's definitely 
a lot of things that we do do better. And one of those things is our caulking methods are way better, mm-hmm. right? The way that we do drywall, opposed to the way we did drywall in 1920, way better, right? So you don't, not every, and also the hardware is way, way more universal. In 1860, there was no universal method of hardwaring, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you would have improper sizing of doors and certain things are cut out at certain heights for no reason. And oh, sure. you know what I mean? Like you, you didn't have codes. Codes really did not start becoming proper in housing until 1930s. Mm. So if we're talking about places before that, I mean, I get why you wanted to be historically accurate. I think enough of the home should still try to be. But I think if, if it's hem and hod between living there and keeping historically accurate, always go to living there. Yeah. And if you are a historical home and there are places in the country where you have a historical home, my mother-in-law has an historical building. And a good portion of that historical building has to be of a certain era. There's certain things you can do. Mm -hmm. But renovating an attic and doing things in your attic, usually there's a pass through that. And I would think you would definitely get a roll of fiberglass installation and you just, you go for it. Yeah. And if you do that, make sure you wear long sleeves, wear all the PPE in the god Mm -hmm. darn world. I mean, honestly, you're going to roast your butt off. You're going to lose... Like five pounds in water weight, okay? <laughs> it's going to be hot, and it's going to be disgusting. I want you to wear a scarf around your neck. I want you to cover every single part of your body because if you get fiberglass on you, trust me, and if you keep working, you don't always feel it when you're working. Right. You don't. You get a little itchy, but you're not thinking. It's afterwards. You will break out. You will have the worst day mm-hmm. of your life getting fiberglass on you and being careless about it when you're doing the work full suit right i mean honestly i joked about it but a painter suit you can get those white painter suit put it on top of everything but underneath there wear a flannel wear overalls if you know as always Mm -hmm. my preferred method uh and then wear boots that go up to at least your mint calf and then wear gloves And, and i'm not kidding and i definitely wrap your neck too because the things i'm telling you it's just it's a nightmare of a job especially when you're doing a big job like that it is, woof, boy. You get a little bit on you, yeah. and it's uncomfortable. You get a little bit in your home, boy. You know, and you don't want that in your eyes too. So make sure you wear goggles at least. I think goggles are usually my preferred method when we're doing mm-hmm. big jobs like that, other than safety glasses, because goggles get right in your face. Um, and if you're someone who wears glasses, you can wear glasses underneath your goggles, and you can always pop the air holes if you need to, so yeah. you're not fucking up. But that was my method. Did I cover it pretty good? Oh, I, yeah. Called I, out the landlords and then told them what to do. <laughs> oh, my God. The, I think I, I've joked about this on my live, but I think we're going to need to start doing a drinking game of every time Mercury calls on a landlord, uh, take a shot. Or <laughs> uh, drag. Yeah, because we were listening to the podcast on my live yeah. today, and I thought that was a really fun was, way to... Yeah, it sounded fun. And it was a really cool way to do like almost like a behind-the-scenes motion of like mm-hmm. how I really feel like a week or two after the podcast comes out. Yeah. Um, and the way I feel about this question question entirely is that like i think that the question was framed so well too because there's this notion of like a lot of people who would be giving me advice would also be benefiting from my lack of knowledge so what do i do and i'm like you know that's such a wonderful the way that you the the fact that you are aware of that really is wonderful and i'm so proud of you for like being aware of that thing Mm -hmm. and also know that every time you talk to someone who could benefit from your lack of knowledge they are taking advantage of you. Even if they're good people, they, I mean, come on. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can't, you, when you're about sales, because remember, the person who comes to your house is a salesperson. They're right. not always a technician doing the work. Exactly. Right? 
They're a salesperson verse, and they usually get a kickback from your lack of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And you might have some people, the smaller companies who will do the work for you, the, the, the independents, they might not. They might want to generally help you. And that's why it's always good to know if it's a third party they're going through or right. if you're going to be direct work. And um, that's why I, you know, I, I, I always prefer handy people. I think that they're the ones who usually roll their sleeves up and do the work. And honestly, if it, they work well by word of mouth mm-hmm. and they're not going to make a fortune doing this work, but they'd want to help people, I think. And they like doing the work, you yeah. know. Um, I think that's the route to go, especially for an installation job. You don't need a big contractor for that. You can get someone who just knows how to do the work, and you can even do the work with them if you really want to. Just have that extra labor with you. Boy, that helps a lot, especially <laughs> if they've done it before. So that's my answer, and I hope that helps. Yeah. Hi, this is Jennifer. My pronouns are she and her. First of all, I love your podcast, and I love all of your posts. Um, you need to do more of them. Um, so my question is, about caulking the caulking on my kitchen counter between the countertop and the backsplash has cracked so i want to repair it my question is do i need to remove the caulk that's there or can i just cover it up and what would you recommend as the best tools for me to use to get the job done thank you so much have a great day oh this is such a good one but also, I do post a lot, okay? <laughs> I got that, too. I was just like, okay, hello here. Coming in red hot. Be like, you need to post more. Okay, I know. I'm I'm trying. <laughs> um, but all that being said, thank you for listening to the podcast. And we're going to try to answer this one the best we can. This is a great question because there's a lot of different routes you can go with this. I'm going to talk about one that is going to be a very different route. And then we're going to circle back. and. Mm answer it in a way that would hopefully be the more straightforward way. But when I heard this, the very first thing I thought is, is something that people might like. So if you're not someone who's really confident with caulking, mm-hmm. right, they do make caulking strip or caulk strip, okay? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, now I say it out loud, it sounds real bad. <laughs> uh, they make, but they make caulk strip, and it's 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 um basically plastic, and mm-hmm. Maggie can kind of see it and maybe see if she can describe it better than I can. But basically, it's just like a piece of plastic that has adhesive on oh, both sides. It looks like trim. It looks kind of like trim, but it can be folded in that way that it can go right into the crack, mm-hmm. Maggie. And it's super handy. Cool. And so I'm a big fan of that. I think that is like my favorite hack to tell people. There are some things you want to know about that. Go one little like three-inch section at a time and just start slowly applying it. And really have it measured up before I use it because it doesn't always look right, Mm -hmm. you know? And make sure the area is completely clean before you add it. Now, that brings me to the second portion that's really important. Do you leave it? Can you put it on top? How does that work? How does Mm -hmm. caulking work? Get yourself a good knife, okay? Get yourself a good knife and maybe a scribe, like a pick bar. Like, you know, a scribe is basically uh, a tool that has a very sharp point. Mm-hmm. that operates at a 90-degree angle. Some has a hook. But a scribe's are the most underrated tools in the, in the world. But a scribe will get right in there and pull it back, and then you can take a knife and cut it along the side and scrape away all the caulk you can, okay? If you damage the drywall or damage the cabinet, just be really careful. You know, if you're having a little bit of a hard time, you could use a steamer, and a steamer can get just a little bit of moisture underneath there and Pop it right off, right? <laughs> you always like my sound effects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just use a chick monk's mouth and just use a chick monk's <laughs> you know, teeth to cut it up. 
I don't know why that noise. <laughs> the noise just sounded like a chipmunk. Okay, it did. You no, did. You're, it, on, you're yeah. on point. <laughs> I think a beaver would be a better analogy to use a beaver's teeth. Okay, what I'm trying to say is that I love. I, I think that's the route to go. Make sure it's all off. Make sure it's properly clean. I would say cleaning wise, you know, soap in a little water is all you really need. But make sure it's completely dry. I mean, we're talking like bone dry. Put a dehumidifier next to it, kind of dry, you know, and make it work. I think a dehumidifier is one of the most underrated tools you can have Mm -hmm. as a person in this industry. I think you want things to get fairly dry and ready to go before you, um, you know, you do any of that kind of stuff. It needs to be accepting it, you know, like especially like drywall or cabinetry. It needs to be dry enough where it wants moisture, right? Mm-hmm. And it needs to be dry enough where it's like I'm thirsty for that adhesion. If it's repellent, right? If it's like, no, I've had enough thirst today. I've had enough water. It's going to push it back, right? So that's mm-hmm. how we should be viewing this kind of stuff. You want it dry enough where it's like, oh, God, I need that. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hey, I've never imagined it that way, but that makes complete sense. Yeah, no, it's almost like I'm good at my job, Maggie. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now there's a couple routes. What kind of caulking can you use other than the caulking strip? I think the caulking strip is fine. I think it's fine. Not my recommended route. It's great for bathrooms. Um, but I just thought I would throw it out there because I, I don't think enough people have known that. And I mm-hmm. think people are always worried about mess. Um, but here's the hot take I would give you. Um, there are a couple routes you could go here. Um, you can use a, a, a polymer sealant, right? A polymer sealant is going to be a little bit more hard to play with. You're not going to get as much play, but I'll tell you what, it will hold two bricks together for the rest of their goddamn life, <laughs> right? It's strong as heck, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, a polymer sealant is really good. Um, there's a whole bunch of other different kinds that I would throw out there. Uh, Loctite makes a really good one. DAP makes a really good quick seal um, that would work really well for you. And DAP is probably the most well-known. Um, one you can, but make sure all of them are kitchen friendly. Now, what we mean by that is that like you get food on there, you get anything like that. Just make sure they're friendly and they're safe, right? Um, you don't necessarily want to use the same caulking that they they would put in every bathroom, right? Oh, sure. But there are some that can do both. Like you have this DAP uh, Quick Seal Plus kitchen and bathroom caulking that would be just fine. I've used this before. It's pretty nice and easy. It has enough play to it. Um, and it's going to be able to do enough job and really seal everything off for you. Now, the the next part I would say is get yourself a good caulking gun, right? And I would make sure that the hole that you make in the caulking tube, make sure it's smaller to start with. Start small, don't go big. And then if you're really worried about like making it look good, uh, I have a great tutorial online about this, but then take yourself to get some frog tape or, or mm-hmm. painter's tape. and you put that a little bit above and a little bit below, and you're tr- you're making a very small seal. So basically, think of putting the tape right above where you want it to be and right below where you want it to be, and you're making like a straight line with the tape. So right in the middle, there's no tape. Yeah, That is going to be where you put in the, the caulking. So you're going to make it look professional without having to be a professional, right? When, but when you apply the tape... Make sure the tape is real straight and real even, and the gap that you're creating is very straight and very even, because always you're going to have that look. Now, the next part is once it's on there, you're going to want to wet your finger, wet your thumb. I think there's no better way to do it. Maybe a rag would be fine, too, but once something wet is going to be the best route to go, and then just feather it all off. You're feathering the top, you're feathering the bottom, 
and then they're smearing right into the tape. And before it dries, you take the tape off. It will look like a professional did it. Mm-hmm. If you prepped and took your time, it's going to look so good. And it's the best way to get a nice finish. As someone who's not a great cocker, I just not never have been. Um, doing freehand cocking is so much harder for me. So that's why I add in the, the, the frog tape and the painter's tape. So that would be my route to go. I think I covered everything. Did I cover yeah. everything? The one is the hardest part about this method, Maggie, is that I don't always remember what people are saying. <laughs> and I'm afraid I'm gonna miss it. So do me a favor and do your best to, to nope, I got it. You I wanna did. make sure I don't I don't wanna miss anything. Um and what was their name, by the way? I forgot their name. Maggie's gonna re- remind me real quick because I wanted to say Jennifer, she her. Jennifer, I wanna say thank you so much for calling in and I will post when I fucking wanna post, Jennifer. <laughs> 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 Have a good day. Thank you. Hi, uh, Mercury. My name's Sarah, and my pronouns are she, her, and uh, I love your podcast because <laughs> my husband uh, is like a big, 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 big time uh, mansplainer, and so it was incredible the first time. Just a couple weeks ago, I lost an earring down the sink, and I said, oh, don't worry about it. It probably hasn't even gone past P-valve. <laughs> so, that was amazing. But my question is, um, when I turn my, like, shower on to take a shower, um, like, water comes out of the shower head, but it doesn't come, like, but, it like, a ton still comes out of the faucet at the same time. So, like, I'm losing a lot of hot water. My showers are, like, really short. I just moved into this house that was built in 1928. So, like, everything's super old and whatever, but this is the most pressing issue, Um because I'm, like, losing a ton of water, and I'm, like, wasting water. And it's just, like, the bathtub, like, fills up really fast. It's, like, a whole thing. So, anyway, thanks for your help. Love your podcast. Okay, first and foremost, can we talk about the mansplainer <laughs> real quick? Uh, <laughs> okay, I just like that I'm arming people yeah. to be able to go back to their um, their mansplainer husbands. Mm-hmm. Um, also, let's just call them a nag. They're nags, okay? Yeah. They're going to call us nags. We're going to call them a nag. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to say, I just love that they're, we're arming them with the material. Yeah. And then be like, well, no, I'm fine because I know that isn't a P-trap. I just love that. That makes me <laughs> fucking, I love that. Um, I'm, you know what, Maggie, I'm happy that I'm singly responsible for the ending of, um, straight marriages in this country. I'm happy that <laughs> I'm, I'm the one that's making the big divide. I'm giving people the power so they can leave their, you know, oh my gosh, they think they know it all husbands. <laughs> yeah, you do get a lot of comments and emails from single women who are like, I just left my husband. Thank you so I, much. <laughs> honestly, we're joking, but I do get a lot of a messages lot. from like people who are just like, you know, they're going on their own for the first time yeah. and they're just so worried and yeah. it is scary, you know? And a lot of people who are manipulative and awful for you will tell you, you're, not, you're, what are you going to do when you need me? Yeah. You know, and they hold it above your head, you know? And I do like knowing that there's people out there who are like, you know what? Fuck him. I got this. I got Mercury Starbutt or whatever her name is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'll figure it out. But all that being said, this is just a good tease with your husband. I'm not going to move it to the next level, but I do think you should find a new one. Anyways. <laughs> I got a low tolerance. Maggie's married to a man who I love. I love Nick. But I got a low tolerance for, for mansplaining. Maggie knows this. Uh, but Nick and I are funny because when we get together... We're very sassy. Y'all are very similar. Yeah, we're very <laughs> similar. Humors. Okay, so let's get to the problem at hand. Yes. Okay. 
So what you're describing is a shower diverter. Mm-hmm. Now, what kind it is? Is it on the spr- sprout? Um, I'm gonna, I think it's on the sprout. Uh, spout. Spout. Not sprout. Spout. It's on the spout, <laughs> which means that there's like a little handle right mm-hmm. above the faucet where the water comes out. There's like a little handle you probably like pull up or you push yeah. down or do something with it. Now, the way that this operates is that when you um, close the faucet, by pulling that little handle up, that water is redirected and then goes up the pipe towards the shower head and then water goes out. Mm-hmm. The water is always going to go to the point of least resistance, right? So wherever the first opening is, is where the water is going to go, right? The water can't go higher or much higher at all than the pipe that's opened and that is where your shower head, mm-hmm. where, where, your, where your faucet is. So when you close that stopper on that diverter, that spout, you are redirecting the water, so you're forcing it up your shower. That's why sometimes when you close it, you hear mm. because you just change the pressure in that, yeah. and now it's it's hitting the inside of there. Now I want you to keep this in mind. What happens when you are you have all this pressure that's going into your spout, right? And you have water constantly flowing in it, and then you pull that spout. What is happening? You are now forcing that pressure. Very quickly, as the the stopper is coming up the spout, you are forcing pressure on that spout, right? And you're an- probably angling it or bending it. Mm-hmm. And then you're closing it, and now it's going up. Well, now that pressure is still on that, that stopper inside of that, right. that diverter, right? So that's how we damage that. We damage the diverter by having water... Um, changes directed mid-shower. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but that's what's happening, and I think it's good for you to know how that's happening because now we're angling and bending it. We're tearing away at the plastic, and we're tearing away at, you know, most of them are plastic, not all of them are, but most of them are plastic, and they they don't have great gaskets in those. Most of them are fairly cheap, um, and they will bend when that pressure is being caused. Mm. I mean, just, you know, just imagine that you're like going in one direction and you're just walking in one direction and then someone just like jumps out right in front of you with one inch left mm-hmm. and just says, turn around. Well, yeah, it's, you're going to bump into that person. Yeah. And every time you bump into that person, that person is going to get a little bit, you know, broken every time. <laughs> you know, that person is going to pissed off. Yeah. That person is going to have a bloody nose, but the end of the, the, this, you know, this, this thing. And then that's what we're doing. We're giving that stopper a bloody mm. nose every time. So are, what are you supposed to do then? Cause that's what I do is I turn the tub on, let the water well, warm up and then you can do that. The diverter you can totally do that, but just be, by investing in a better diverter. If you keep mm. having this problem, there's two things happening. A, you got a lot of pressure. You got a very high pressured um, system. If you're damaging it every like, if you're doing it once every four years, that's fine. Five, ten years, whatever you know. Mm-hmm. But if it's happening every week, well, no, every, every year, mm-hmm. I think invest in a better diverter and just invest in one that's a little bit more solid. You know, instead of a ten dollar one, which is most of them are, mm-hmm. get a fifteen to thirty dollar one. You know, and just see what that happens. But it's okay to change it midstream. Like if you're if you're doing a, a, a bath and then all of a sudden you change it, that's fine. I would say you could turn off the water and then plug it, like hold it up and then turn it on. Oh, sure. It's a way to do it. Some of them you can pull it up before the water comes. Some that you need to. Um, it all depends, you know. Hmm. But just keep in mind that's essentially what we're doing. Those cheaper ones, typically you got to have the water running to do it. Sure. Because the pressure is the only thing holding it up. Right. Some of them actually have a gauge that locks in place, mm-hmm. but many don't. Many are only relying on the pressure from the water to force it to keep it open, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, that's a rub. But now how do you change it? How do you fix that? 
So a lot of them will have caulking around the base, leaning up against the wall or the tub. And a lot of them, you can just like take that caulking off, like we talked about previously, with a scriber or a knife, mm-hmm. and then peel back, and then there'll be a set screw that's either underneath, right? And that set screw is using an Allen key. Sometimes it's like you know a flathead, but typically it's an Allen key. And then you uh, take it off that right, and you just pull it off, put a new one on. Most of them are three and a half inch. Uh, some of the uh, four four inch and a quarter. But make sure you measure and get the uh, uh, kind of like the same length one. And make sure that if however you took it off, you're putting the same type of on, right? Mm-hmm. If it has a set screw that's holding it in place, make sure you get a set screw. Because there's another kind that's really popular, and that's a twist-on mm-hmm. diverters. The twist-on diverters won't have a, sh- a, a stop. They won't have a, a set screw anywhere on underneath or in the top of the sides or anything. You'll have to take a flat-head screwdriver that's pretty big, like a three-inch one. Or uh, and put it in there, and then to inside the spout, and then you're twisting the spout upside down, mm-hmm. and you're screwing it off because the whole thing has threads in there, and the pipe will be sticking out and has threads. And now um, they call it the female end. I hate that, but mm-hmm. there's inverted threads, and those inverted threads are meeting with the with the extroverted threads, and that's how it's sandwiching and holding together. But so that that's a system. That's how that one works. So either so one you have to replace the whole tub spout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, you could get you could get a diverter repair kit. They make those for almost the same amount of money that a spout, <laughs> a, a spout is. Now, I think that the, the the diverter repair kits are really good if you have a much more expensive one, mm-hmm. or if for whatever reason you can't take it off. But I gotta tell you, as someone who's who did that one time, I will never ever do another diverter. Really? Yeah, because they're a fucking nightmare. Yeah, they're not easy to get in and out, and you're working huh. with a tight space. You got to be under the t- like. The spout yeah. to do the work you you're you're operating blind half the time. Sure. You might as well take it off the wall anyways. And if you're going to take it off the wall, just don't don't just repair it. Just replace, replace it. it. You know. <laughs> so that's how that's how I always viewed it. But anyways, that's how you answer that one. Yeah. I think I got everything in that one. Um, but I think just to make sure we're very clear, make sure you leave your husband and then get a new diverter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, if your husband is listening to this, I want to say thank you so much for not mansplaining this one and empowering her to do a job herself because she, just, she does not need your help. Okay, anyways. <laughs> I'm really sassy today. You are. Yeah. Sassy Mercury. Yeah, sassy Mercury. Question number four, please. Hi, Mercury. Um, this is Susan, and um, we're actually neighbors. I'm over in Middleton, and I had a question. My husband and I have a little bit of a healthy debate, which neither one of us has completely decided on, about ventilation in the wintertime. So we have these fans in the bathrooms. We have two bathrooms with these fans, and they have the option, the possibility to run not at all, except when they're on, or to run a little bit or a lot of it during the day. And right now we have them set so that they're kind of running a little bit all the time. And now that it's winter, you know, there's this question about is that pulling heat out of the house and sending that heat out? My husband's concern is about getting fresh air and having circulation since the windows are closed and we we have um, forced air. So we're just kind of wanting to keep air moving, but then my concern is, are we just losing heat and it's not really helping or what can we do to have some kind of fresh air coming in if the fans are off? So any thoughts uh, about that would be helpful. (laughs) 
because <laughs> we keep on running in circles about it and don't really have any any true knowledge about what makes sense. Thank you so much for all that you do. Um, and uh, yeah, hope you have a beautiful day. Okay, this is the first on the podcast. I've never once sided with the husband. But... And I think it's really funny it came after the last question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like I was instantly like told to fuck off. <laughs> I, 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 okay, a few things. A, he is right. Um, but you're not wrong necessarily, but he's definitely right. Um, and uh, that's how I feel. I feel like most technicians would probably agree. You're not losing as much heat as you think you are because it's not like that's completely wide open, right? Mm-hmm. There's gaskets. You're always going to lose a little bit of heating anyways. And if you're going to lose a little bit of heating because of fresh air and overall flow, you don't want a stagnant air system in your home. Even an HVAC system will have some type of like outlet from outside, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, you need to have that, right? You, you don't want just a completely closed off contained room without any type of ventilation. That's not happening. So absolutely for smell, for moisture, for mold, all of that, um, make sure you have that running a little bit here and there and having that open. I don't think you should put anything on there to close it off. So that would be my hot take. But boy, I just feel like my skin's going to like burn off by saying, <laughs> I agree with the husband. Your husband's right. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> Sorry I could not help you on that one. Do you have anything to add to this one, Maggie? Um, I mean... Just based on what I know, you know, because when you were writing in the book, like I learned a lot of this stuff as I was, you know, reading it and editing it. And, um, you know, the I know how particular you are about ventilation in a bathroom yeah. and preventing mildew and mold and things like that. But I think what you always say, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like running it 20 minutes before and after, like mm-hmm. you have a lot of moisture in the room or things like that. But, I, you know, I know that you've never said to run it like constantly, um, but that just running it before yeah, and after is I, enough. I would definitely say you don't need to leave it on all the time. Yeah. I mean, if that's what he means, where he was like, I want it on all the time. I don't know if I agree with that. I do. I definitely think you can leave it on, though. Yeah. For I mean, if, if you're worried, here's the thing. There's two things to know about the bathroom ventilation. A, it's not enough to get your whole house ventilated. That yeah. just isn't how that works. Your vents in your heat duct and your... You're, you know, if you have central air, that's where you're going to get ventilation with stuff. You're not going to get ventilation properly through the whole home through bathroom venting. That just is not how it's designed, mm-hmm. right? It's designed to reduce the the mold and the mildew buildup in your 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 bathroom because what happens? People close those doors. Yeah. That's why it has direct venting, right? Yeah. It's not necessarily meant for the whole house. So if that's what you mean and you want to keep fresh air in your through your house, that's not really the system that's to put in place, right. right? But it doesn't mean that it couldn't help a little bit. Yeah, I mean, especially in your bathroom, you know, I wouldn't want to close it off. I really wouldn't. Especially in winter when there's a little bit more heat inside. And I don't know. It, that's when mildew grows the best yeah. is in, in winter, sadly. So, And also, hi, neighbor. You're in Milton, which isn't that <laughs> far away from us at all in tropical Madison, Wisconsin. But look at that. I answered that one with lightning speed. Yeah. And by lightning speed, I mean the husband did most of the work for me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got one more. Hello there, Mercury. My name is Wit. She, her pronouns are great for me. I'm in good old Minnesota, so hello there, neighbor. I am calling about a storm door issue. I am renting from a good friend of mine, and they're overseas, so they aren't able to assist. And it is winter right now, so I'm not too worried about this storm door issue at the moment, but ideally in the spring it would be figured out. 
Basically, uh, the closer part of the storm door keeps coming off of the door itself. So the part that attaches to the frame of the door frame, I Googled the parts. <laughs> I, hopefully I'm talking about the right thing. The cylinder-like thing that attaches the door and it makes the door either open or close slowly or, or quicker and all that good stuff. Screws keep coming out of the storm door and I can't figure out why. And the the owners, my friends, knew that this was some sort of issue because they're like, oh, don't mind all the holes in the storm door. It's just because it won't stay, like, attached. So if it happens, just reattach it. So they already had a ton of holes in their storm door. And uh, when I used it for a little while, it was fine. But then the screws ripped out, and now it's just kind of hanging loose right now. So if I were to open the storm door, it uh, just hangs open until I manually shut it again because it's no longer attached. So I'm wondering, uh, what, what's going on here? I don't, I can't figure out what the deal is. I've tried attaching it a few other times. Um, and it only worked for a couple days and then it ripped out again. You know, I wasn't doing it in the same holes. I was trying to screw it into, to, or make new fresh holes to keep it tight. Um, and I can't figure it out. So I am enlisting the handyman's help to try to get this figured out before Bring. we've got time i know we can do this <laughs> thank you so much okay i want to say thank you <laughs> so much because during that the listening to that i looked at maggie and i did the stretch symbol and i was like oh shit what am i gonna say <laughs> and then you talked for another minute and a half <laughs> so thank you wit so for thank saving you, wit. me <laughs> wit, you're awesome also hey minnesota friend i hope you're doing good um so we got some great answers um I love this format. I love to be able to just like seat in my pants. This is a lot yeah, of fun for cool. me. Uh, the energy is just a lot of more silly and gaggy for me. I love it. <laughs> um, but also, this is my hot take on this. And I think this is going to be a fun one, Maggie. So we found what this is. Yeah. I worked at these a bunch. So I know what these look like. So what mm-hmm. we're talking about is an automatic door closer. There, yep. There's this very like mechanic device looking thing. That um that big round cylinder piece goes on the frame itself, and mm-hmm. then down below you'll have this like arm system that like holds the door. So when it closes, it like grabs the door and and all that stuff. Now it's pulling out. What do you do? You know, it's not like necessarily doing good. It could be a lot of different things. I will say that most of the time, what, what the luck we had with working with those, they should be bolted down, not screwed in. Mm. If you if you have a storm door, a lo- the way that they're built is not the, the same type of material isn't inside. You know, they're definitely aren't they like hollow usually? Um, so okay, it all depends. I'm gonna say mm. more than likely the reason why is, is this specific storm door is strong on the outside, hollow on the inside. Right. Right, they're not always that way, but nine times out of the ten, they kind of are. Mm-hmm. So I think you're better off to a um, have bolts and bolt it through and have a plate on the other side right. and a plate in the inside, and that plate's going to sandwich it, and then that's going to keep the moisture and air and everything in too. And you're not going to have any problems. If you really are concerned about the holes you're creating on the outside, then I would make sure you cock the plate that you're putting on the outside, mm-hmm. and, and now all that should be fine. That's a way to fix that specific problem. We did that a bunch. Had no problem. We did one of those thermal cameras to see if we're losing a lot of mm-hmm. heat. Nothing. And what Nothing. kind of plate would you get? I mean, you could just go get any hardware store will have a plate and you can oh, just nice. get 
you can get um, ones that are pre-drilled holes, mm-hmm. but to mash up the holes, I would say you just take you know a drill and then just go right through the plate. And okay. basically, we're talking about a, a metal plate yeah. that is designed to go outside, right? Like an exterior metal plate of some kind. Make sure it's um, I think it's galvanized steel, right? I'm saying it. Galvanized yeah, steel is the kind familiar. that can go outside. Yeah, so galvanized steel from any hardware store. You don't need a big one. You know, a, a three by three piece, a three inch by three inch should be fine, or like three by two inch or something. And then just make sure the holes line up, drill it through the door, and then drill right into the plate by mm-hmm. with a, holding it with a clamp or something, or why not? Should be fine. Or marking them off and marking them off perfectly there. But that would be my take in that route, right? I think that would be a good way to go. You can keep the same system you have. It's going to be a whole hell of a lot of stronger. <laughs> go put it where the holes worked the best. Right, you get a lot of holes in there. So maybe it's not going to be great if there's a lot of holes. It looks like someone was like using it for target practice with a shotgun. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> then maybe it won't be best. There won't be a whole lot of strength. But find out where it worked the best and put it there mm-hmm. because the placement of where those go are really important. But here's the thing. Here's a better solution. Something that I always thought that worked a whole lot better than the stupid. Um, uh, automatic door closers is something called a spring-loaded door hinge. Do you mm. know what I'm talking about? Oh, so it's the hinges themselves that force the closure. Yeah. Now, there's a couple different kinds. You can get the ones that you put all four, all three of them will have mm-hmm. spring-loaded. You can also get the doors that have just a spring-loaded, one of the hinges has a spring-loaded um, door hinge. But basically, the spring-loaded door hinge is a self-closing door method, Right. Now, they're not necessarily as strong. They can definitely go bad, you know. But I think in this route, I think it will be okay. I would love to see you try. And then you mm-hmm. take, tell me in a couple of weeks if I was dead wrong. I want to hear that. But I think a spring-loaded door hinge is the way to go. Now, the way they work is that there's a little, like, slot where you put this metal rod in there. And think of the slot as holding a gear. Like a clock gear. Mm-hmm. And every time you're opening it wider, that gear is changing placement. But that hole isn't. So as you're opening the door really wide, you're putting this pin right in a gear. And then that's where it's going to go. So when it hits that gear inside, it's going to stop. Like it's going to pull it tight. Do you know what I mean? It's going to mm-hmm. make the whole gear system spin. And then that's what's going to cause it to close. You can even use the the, the spring-loaded door hinge in order to keep it open a certain way. You know what I mean? Like you can you can open it and kind of place where you want it and it can always be open a little bit too. But I like the spring-loaded door hinge. I've used it several times in my career and I had more success and less breakage because you do have door frame issues. You do have, I mean, here's the thing. People will often think the automatic door closers, you just pull them. You're going to just pull the handle and whatever. Every time that you're pulling the handle, every time that you are pushing the door shut, you are killing that door frame. You are torquing the door. You're torquing the door frame. And here's the thing. That is a whole lot more expensive than the side of your door. Mm -hmm. The top, way harder. The the side of your door hinge is going to take way more beating than ever the top will. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a better route. But boy, I want to hear in a few weeks if I was right. Yeah, let us know. I like that one. Was that good? Did I hit that, that one? Yeah. Do you, you know? You ever heard that before? I have never heard of the the hinges. No, the 
That makes sense, though. And also, I I'm, I bet you there's another route too. I bet you there is. But those are the two most popular that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. And I think the spring loaded door hinge is the one that I would recommend to people. Honestly, I mean, honestly, we could use a few of those <laughs> in our spaces too, because our doors never stay the fuck closed. Yeah. Um, but I I think that it would be a way to go. Okay, here we go. I think I'm five for five. Five for five. I think I went 100%. cold turkey in this episode. That was great. And I'm five for five. And I just <laughs> want to say that is a world record. Uh, I never feel this confident uh, afterwards. <laughs> but here's the thing. I also think this is just like, you know, this like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what these questions were. I feel like the audience is l- listening to these the first time with me. Yeah. And to be honest, I flipping love it. I Good. love it. Well, and good I'm job, energized. Basil and Ray, for choosing these questions. Yeah, our wonderful they team, did a great job. our wonderful uh, staff members chose these for us yesterday, and I think this is the route to go. Yeah, I mean, we're going to do this again uh, for the next episode, at the very least. Oh, here's the thing: if, if we do the next episode, Maggie, and I crash and burn, we'll never do this again. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I if I go zero and five, we're never <laughs> doing this again, Maggie. Uh, but I, I think we're going to be good. Um, so that concludes this week's episode. Yeah. I want to say thank you so much for tuning in, for supporting us. Um, as always, please, 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 please follow us on Patreon. Support us there. Follow us on the wonderful TikTok, Instagram, now YouTube coming mm-hmm. very soon. You can be one of the very first um, subscribers there. We have 11,000 right now. We're hoping to have uh, a lot more by the end of the year. So yep. please help us on the YouTube if you can. And you want me to do more long-form content, that's where you're going to want to be. But as always, Maggie, what should they remember? You're worth the time it takes to learn a new skill. Have a good day, everybody. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of the Handyman Hotline, you can listen to an even longer version by supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon, $10 or more, you'll be able to get an extra long 30 to 45 minute section every single week. Isn't that amazing? More of me and Maggie. Wow! So thank you so much for all those who already support us, and you too can support us and listen to more on our Patreon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us keep the pirate ship alive by supporting our sponsors, the wonderful iFixit. They fight for your right to repair and mix really cool tools in the process. If you need to fix your phone, laptop, or even a vacuum, iFixit has thousands of parts, tools, and free guides to make your life a little bit easier. It's iFixit's 20th anniversary, and to celebrate, they're offering you $20 off of a purchase of $100 or more with a promo code MERCURY20 through the end of this January. Happy fixin'. So grab your hammer and nails and paint your nails if you want to. You're worth the time it takes to be you. She'll teach you how to fix your house, how to fix it by yourself. The trans hand.